This is Whiskey and Risk, a J. Crew podcast where we talk about all things risky while drinking a little bit of whiskey. I'm Max. And I'm Jackson. Well, let's get into it. Cheers. Are we good to go? All right. Dark check, check. One, two, three. Check, check. Welcome back to Whiskey and Risk. This is episode five. I'm your host, Max Katzbeck. And I'm Jackson Doyle. Today we are drinking on some Knob Creek. 100 proof. Jackson's had a couple sips. Jackson, what do you think so far? I'm really enjoying it over here, and I'm accompanying this glass of bourbon with a nice spotted cow yeah. for my Wisconsin listeners out there. Love that. Shout out, Wisconsin. It's just one of those Monday afternoons. That's I've all right. been there. From the Knob Creek website, give you a little bit of background. When it comes to making Knob Creek bourbon, there's a lot of waiting, but hardly any sitting around. While each barrel patiently ages in white oak, Our distillers continue to raise the standards, fulfilling their commitment to full flavor. The result? An unflinching balance of deep, pre-prohibition-style bourbon with a robust oak taste, complemented with hints of smooth vanilla and layered caramel. 100 proof. Taste rich, sweet, woody, full-bodied, almost fruity. I mean, I'm a fan of it. I mean... I'm more of a Buffalo Trace guy personally. See, and that brings up a good point. I actually was about to bring this up. Now that we are a few episodes in and we've had a few different bourbons, I think we should add a segment of a scale, a rating scale of our favorites, your favorites, Buffalo Trace, my favorite, obviously, Maker's Mark. And I think we kind of give a scale because our scales will be different. We like different kinds of bourbon. But where does this fall on a scale of 1 to 10? If you were going to pick this up on a Friday after work, are you picking this up on a... Yes, I want it towards the 10, or I'm, I'm going to leave that one. Yeah. Well, it's definitely not like on the low end. I think it's a good bourbon. I do prefer, I like that Maker's 46 that we had in a previous episode. I agree. That Santori. Yeah. Um, that was good. It, it you know, was, it was different. It was yeah. a Japanese whiskey, so a little bit different, but I like that. And then Buffalo Trace. I don't think we've had that on the show, obviously, like that. Um, yeah, stay tuned. Not Creek, I'd give this one probably a 7.8. Oh, okay. That's actually a good score. I like it. I don't want to set the bar too high on the first review. Maybe 7.5 just so we have some wiggle room. There's nothing about it that I dislike. It's 100 proof. I I typically, you know, go with the 90 proofs myself. Yeah. But I like a little bit of 100 proof every once in a while. But yeah, I I think uh, I'll I'll stick to it. 7.8 on this one. 7.8. Okay. 7.8. How about you? 7.5. I mean, mine, I I couldn't find a better score in my head. It was immediate on the first sip. I'm going 7.3. Okay. And I think that's a fair score. This is a this is a bourbon that can get you through the night, and this is a bourbon that could get you through an afternoon as well. So I'm going to put you at the seven three, great whiskey, nice and smooth. Yep, but still a little bit room to improve in terms of a of a maker's mark on a Friday night. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a little. It is smooth. I think that the other two are a little bit smoother. They might be a lower proof, which obviously would have something to do with the heat. But um, it's not too hot. I think that's good. So an average seven five. I think. Yeah, average. We'll put it right in there. All right, cool. I like that. Like that segment. Yeah, right. (laughs) The Krug factor. And I also want to mention before we get into it, we did start an email address for Whiskey and Risk. So we would love to hear from our listeners, see maybe what you guys like about the show, dislike, what topics you'd like for us to cover. We're all questions. We're an open book. Any questions? Yep. And that email address is whiskeyandrisk at the letter J Krug, K R U G dot com. That, again, that's whiskey and risk at J dot com. So don't be a stranger. Please send us an email. Let us know your thoughts I and mean, anything that you'd like for us to cover. 
Yeah, and another thing is the link will also be posted with the podcast on our LinkedIn. So if you're not following us on LinkedIn or connected with Jay Krug and Associates there, you can find the podcast posted uh, there and you'll see the email address with the next post. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. That's a good point. Moving on, we wanted to give a quick employee shout out. Yes, sir. Go ahead, Jackson. Uh, we want to give a shout out this week to the one and only John Duffy. Jay Diesel. Yeah, we want to give a shout out. John does a lot of the work here at our agency behind the scenes. Yep. He's an account manager here at J. Krug. He's been here, what, five, five years? Five years, yeah. Yeah, five years. And I can tell you, I can tell you just on my experience, I'll let you speak on yours, Max, but I can name at least three, if not four accounts that I don't think I would have got in the door without John's help. He helps from the beginning stages of getting out a submission to our underwriters and our carrier partners all the way down to when we do get the account in and it becomes a client. He handles the day-to-day client-facing needs of, you know, certificate insurance turnaround, any bonds, anything that they have a quick question of a quick turnaround, the care and consideration he puts into at least my clients. I know it, I can't speak on everybody else's, but I know it's true that it wouldn't be the same without, you know, John and yeah. the effort he puts in every Absolutely. Day. And the energy he brings to the office. We love John here and, you know, and also endorsements too. So let's say you have a client that purchases a new vehicle or acquires a new building or needs to make a change midterm to their policy. Obviously, us as producers were involved, but our focus is more so on the front end and on the renewal. Between that medium part, we're involved as well, but that's really where John shines and mm-hmm. is able to make those endorsements, double check everything is correct from the carrier and kind of guide us through all of our accounts when we need some assistance. So appreciate you, John, for everything you do. Yep. Shout out Jay Duffy one last time. Shout out John Duffy. Shout out John Duffy. So Jackson, let's get into a little bit of update on what you've been doing lately. And then I'll I'll talk about myself too, but I know you've been busy working on some new cases. I think you've had a couple of your first renewals come up. That's correct. So that's exciting. Learning to balance the new business and and the existing book and working those renewals is tough, but I think you've done a great job. So why don't you just share with the listeners a little bit about what you've been up to these past couple of weeks? Absolutely. Actually a good time to bring all this up because we just, you know, had a sales meeting today where we kind of talk about what's going on in the pipeline, what's working, what's not working. Had my first round of renewals coming in, servicing those and get keeping those and retaining those clients, but also have had a lot of movement in the pipeline as of late, really trying to find a groove in the cold call game. I think we'll have a podcast in the future talking about how we go about our sales cycle and what, what works and the different ways we approach that. I think that'd be a good thing to talk about, but yeah, for sure. I am definitely known around here as a cold caller uh, or a cold baller, um, as I like <laughs> to say. But yeah, I, I mean, just been hammering the phones, trying to trying to keep things fresh, and got some things working right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I hear your cold calls. You definitely have uh, the personality, a unique in a good way personality. The energy you bring to the office every day is um, unique and, and great too. And obviously you found success in that cold outreach and you're a people person, you know, even, yep. you know, it's harder to do over the phone, but you do a really good job of just opening doors and getting opportunities by, you know, calling people, finding out who might have a need based off the information that we have and say, hey, I see your renewals coming up and you're with this carrier. And I know that I can save you a whole heck of a lot of money and get you some better coverage at the same time. So, um, you know, most people shy away from cold calling. I myself, you know, started cold calling starting off, but have kind of done a little bit less of it as my career's progressed. And that's not a great thing, but it is what it is. But the fact that you love to cold call and that you're good at it, it's kind of a psychopath move, but in (laughs) in a good way. Correct. It fits your personality great. So that's awesome to see that you're having a success with that. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. You know, hopefully I can get to the point where 
I'm not having to hammer the phones, but uh, yeah, I am enjoying it. What do you got going on? What's your plate been like? I haven't heard a lot from you lately, so it'll be good to, for me to catch up and know what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been just working a lot of, I've had a lot of renewals lately, kind of been all over the board between the business insurance side, renewing my current book of business. I had a couple of my larger renewals come up in the past month, so I was focusing on that. Working on two group health deals right now, and one of them is actually one of your property casualty clients. So it's cool to kind of work that with you and and have that warm introduction and and feel like we're helping that group out. Um, someone in in kind of a rural place of Illinois that didn't have group health coverage in place, and to be able to offer that to their employees is a really really nice value add for obviously the business to attract and retain employees, yeah, as well as you know for the actual employees you know, to have coverage for their health needs. Absolutely. That's exciting. Also working on a life deal, a larger life deal for an individual. And we're just about complete with that. Uh, We got the offer. So now it's just a a matter of the insured accepting that offer and then making that first payment, signing off in the final documents. And once that first payment's made and life insurance, you're covered. So it's a 20 year term policy. So looking forward to getting that in place. And I actually had something that came up with one of my renewals that I thought might be a good thing to to talk about on the podcast, and that is audits. So not everyone's familiar with this if you're not in the day-to-day with insurance. A lot of your premiums, especially for your general liability and your workers' compensation coverages, they're audited every year. So essentially, at the beginning of the year, you tell the carrier, you say, hey, you know, I believe in my best estimate my company is going to do $5 million in sales and, you know, my payrolls are going to be a million dollars or 500000 or whatever it is. So they'll take your estimate at the beginning of the year, multiply it by the rate for whatever that class code or that employee class is for whatever you're doing, and that's how they come up with the premium. They take your total sales, let's say it's $5 million, and it's per $1,000 in sales. That's how they come up with the general liability premiums. So you take that $5 million, divide it by 1000 and then you multiply it by whatever the rate is. So let's say the rate's $4 for every $1,000 in sales that you have. At the end of the year, they'll come back to you and they say, okay, Mr. Business Owner, you know, you estimated $5 million in sales. We're going to do an audit. I mean, this is very common. They do this to everybody. And we're going to ask you for some financial documents and see how close you were to that $5 million that we were charging you for premiums. Let's say you had a great year and ended up doing $10 million in sales and you're only paying premium on that $5 million. Well, the insurance carrier is going to ask for an additional premium for that difference. It's going to be the same rate that you had. But they're going to take that difference of between that 5 and the 10 and then charge you whatever that premium would be if the sales were $10 million. Now, for the workers' compensation, it's the same idea except it's rated off of payrolls. So each employee has a different class code depending on what their job operations are. They could be clerical office. They could be machining, whatever it is. And each class code has a different rate. So you take their estimated payrolls, divide that by 100 instead of 1,000 like you'd see on the general liability, and then multiply it by that rate to come up with the premium is for the workers' comp. And at the end of the year, the carrier is going to ask you what your actual payrolls were. And then if your payrolls were higher, they'll ask for an additional premium. On the flip side, if your payrolls were lower than you expected, in most cases, the insurance carrier will cut you a check. So let's say you estimated $5 million in sales and you only did three. The carrier is actually going to pay you back some premium for that difference. So you're only paying premium on what you actually had. So explaining that to clients is really important because you don't want to write a policy and have them lowball it up front and then there's a big bill due at the end. So what I like to do is I like to check in maybe halfway through the year, see if we're still on target, maybe make some adjustments. That way that additional premium 
if it's going to be higher than what we anticipated, can be broken up into a few payments instead of one check due at the same right. time. And on the flip side, we can lower it. So, you know, they're paying a lower premium for the remainder of the policy. Um, explaining that to clients and, you know, making sure that everything's on target, I think is very important to avoid a large audit at the end of the policy period. Have you gone through any audits yet with your clients? I know you just went through your first renewal, so it's usually a couple weeks after the renewal. The carrier will reach out, but have you gone through any of those? Yeah, actually anticipating, kind of working an account right now, the renewal is upcoming, so it's going to be a later November renewal. We communicated, like you were saying, communicate mid-policy period. We actually kept communication up throughout the policy period. There were a few changes and they were adding different coverage lines and things like that, but they're growing dramatically. Right. And so it was tough to keep on top of what was changing and what related to insurance on their end. And so we're kind of going through, we're preparing for an audit process right now. There's still two months to be paid, you know, on the policy. So we're going to try to ration some, but they've grown exponentially, you know, increasing employee count size upwards of, you know, 50 to 60 employees right. since about mid-summer. Which so, is going to have a dramatic impact on the estimated pay rate. That's right. What happened was they, they opened up a third plant. And so that third plant opened and they wanted to fill the employee slots there. And so that happened and they were so busy with the new start of the plant, making sure everything was running smooth, hiring these 50 employees. That's the last right. thing they're thinking about is insurance, most likely. That's right. So, but, you know, obviously we had to endorse the policy with the new property and the new plant. That then rose our attention to, are you using your current employees at this plant or these new employees? That conversation happened. We knew it was new employees. We got the, okay, we wanted more employees. So we actually, they were offering a higher wage to attract some employees to come and Again, get, increasing that payroll that the premiums the rated off. That's right. And yeah. so we're going to go through an audit process. The communication was great throughout the policy period. So there were things that were anticipated, but there's also things that just are unavoidable. Right. Workers' comp is rated 100% off that payroll. And, you know, obviously a company's goal is to grow. That's what we, we like to see and that's what they like to see. Right. But as you grow and you pay your employees and they do a great job for you, the insurance will reflect that on that workers' comp basis of the payroll increases. Your premium will likely increase, but we're doing our right. S on our end approaching this renewal to find them a couple different options to see what we can do to, you know, bring some relief where we can. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously every company's goal is to grow and nobody wants to pay more for insurance Yeah, till you need it. And then yeah. everyone, you know, is totally fine with it. But I like to tell my clients, hey, listen, you know, we're estimating this. If let's say you have a fantastic year, you're doing a couple million dollars more in sales than you anticipated or you're hiring like crazy and you're growing so fast that you're bringing on these employees. Yeah, you might have an audit that is going to have a large additional premium due at the end of the year. But Mr. Business Owner, that's kind of a good problem to have, you know. Absolutely. You know, and not a salesy way, just a, a true way. Like if you're growing that much, you have a larger risk and you're bigger. There's more things that can happen. So the insurance carrier needs to get their premium from that because they're still giving you that million dollar limit or whatever it is. They're still going to cover your claims, but now there's more risk on their part. So that's why they perform the audits and say, hey, you know, you, you did $5 million more in sales. Your premium at the end of the policy, you owe the carrier, you know, an extra seven grand. Well, I know you owe them seven grand, but still it's a good problem to have. It's better than, yeah. I mean, you don't want to get money back from the carrier because that means you're, you're not having the year that you anticipated. So Correct. it's kind of a catch 22, but I like to explain that up front to clients. And I think you did a really great job with that situation as well. Yep. So, you know, something interesting to know. And then 
Jackson, I know you had another item with, what was it, cyber? Yeah, speaking on things that have come up, you know, just in conversation with clients and different things that we've seen building off of what you were just talking about. I recently had a client go through something that, you know, was on a negative side. We were able to help where we could, which is good, but they had a bookkeeper that had worked for them for the last six years that they just found out they were doing some budgeting. He was in the process of buying another company. And so he doesn't really handle the day-to-day financials, but he was doing a full analysis, looking at what was needed to go about this other transaction and then right. another financial. So he did a full analysis. He actually had a third party come in and help with that. And it came to you know his realization that his bookkeeper had been pulling funds backtrack to two years accumulating to just under $250,000. That he was embezzling or stealing from the company? That's right. Wow. Yeah. So stealing from the company and you know paper trail led right to it that they did a full investigation. He contacted us right away, but us, we've only had the policy now for three and a half months. And so conversation had to be had with the prior carrier that offered coverage during that time. And then also now the carrier that we have him under as an insured because he has crime coverage. And that's where this came into a factor. Right. And we were trying to figure out due to it being online that if it was going to fall under his cyber coverage or his crime coverage because he has both. It then fell under that employee theft crime coverage. And he purchased the proper limits not only on his prior policy, but also with us. And his prior policy is going to cover some of that coverage as is our current coverage. He was fully insured, which was great. It's always good to hear that. It relieves, takes some weight off the shoulders at least. Obviously, you never want to deal with embezzlement or an employee stealing from you. Right. But we did find a resolution for him. He was fully insured. There were different hoops to jump through, but something that I obviously haven't come across and haven't seen. So that was new for me, and I'm just glad that we were able to help. Yeah, absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about how crime and cyber might kind of, in this situation, I don't know how the the exact situation, but how the crime and the cyber might overlap a little bit? Yeah, so... I actually was talking with Jeff, our director of the Commercial Lines, prior shout out. One more time, shout out Jeff. I was talking with him about it today, you know, in prep for the podcast, but it was great that, and this is actually a tip for, you know, other insureds or just people listening, that crime and cyber coverage are considered ancillary coverage to like the necessity of a business. But it's something that you just see claims, especially as of late, that are just more occurring it seems absolutely and so when we're pushing like the importance of the coverage it's for a reason it was very important and it was it was honestly in his best interest that he purchased a higher limit he purchased a million dollar limit of cyber and crime yep but if he didn't you know there would be some out-of-pocket expense here right because let's just say he purchased the ancillary covers a little like endorsement to a policy or you know broadening endorsement on uh, the property or a certain level of the policy when you're when you're selling it of upwards of I don't know 25,000 50,000 right that wouldn't have covered his loss right but him recognizing the need, what's going on in the industry, everybody dealing with more online, a bunch of communication or transactions happening online. Right. And other employees other than himself handling and being responsible for the information mm-hmm. that can create a situation like this. Right. It really is a need. I'm trying to stress that it's not really an ancillary coverage. At this point, it really should be everybody. It should be added. It yeah. should be just another box that's checked to make sure that you're all, all the way rounded and protected. And, yep. you know, luckily he saw it that way. We had the coverage even when moving with us and he, he was fully covered there. And so. Another thing I think is important 
important to have your crime in your cyber carrier be the same because there's a lot of overlap. So in the old days, obviously, you'd rob a business or steal from the safe. Well, now we have computers. Everything's digitalized. So, you know, you do wire transfer fraud or you have employees sending funds from their computer or social engineering where someone pretends to be the CEO of a company, emails you saying, hey, wire me $15,000. And they do, and they're not really hacked or anything, but there's kind of an overlap in a gray area between the cyber and the crime where if you have one or the other, you kind of want to have them paired up in case there's, you know, typically exclusions for things that happen over the computer, even if it's theft of funds or wire transfer fraud that's typically under a crime policy or could be under a cyber policy depending on the carrier so something to definitely be aware of yes and i actually just got something passed to me by our producer ricky fun fact well not really fun but 60 percent of small businesses that fall victim of a cyber attack go out of business within six months yep according to the u.s national cyber security alliance yep I would, I'd be willing to bet that that is based on not having the proper coverage. For sure. Or limits. Or not having the protocols in place when something does happen. Exactly. And so that's why we, we don't stress this for, for any reason. You know, just, just another sale point. Yeah, we're not doing this just to try to sell more insurance. It is actually a need. And it's a lot that's of right. claims that we see. And a lot of times I'll have clients that are like, hey, I'm a small company. I don't, I'm not going to be a target. Well, that's not really the case. You got, you know, people in, in foreign countries that their full-time job is trying to hack in the U.S. companies. And you, typically the smaller companies are, are bigger targets. So just because you're small, just because you're medium size. Don't think that you're not a target because you are. So, absolutely. Um, thanks for bringing that up. Other than I, that, I mean, my glass is empty and mine's empty as well. Yours is too. So, thanks everyone for joining us again. Please like, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed what you heard. And also, if you'd like to hear any topics or have any questions for us, please, please, please send us an email at whiskeyandrisk at jcrew.com. We'd love to hear from you, hear some feedback. And thanks again for listening, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>